Amen. We're turning to the Old Testament scriptures this morning, to the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, open your Bibles and keep them open at this evangelical prophet's message. Isaiah chapter 43, and we're reading from the verse 14. Verse 14. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, Now, I want you to notice that. For your sake, I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord. That's twice of that. The Lord speaking. Which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. That's reflecting back to the Exodus when he brought them over the mighty waters of the Red Sea which bringeth forth the chariots and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tool. That's the chariots of Egypt in the Red Sea, at the bottom of the Red Sea. Now, Verse 18, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers, and there's an S on that, in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I have given water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself, They shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. But thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. We'll end the reading there. And the Lord has promised to bless his own word. The month January is named after the Roman god 
Janus. He's depicted as a man with two faces. And as far as I know, his statue still stands at the west bank of the Tiber River. One face looks back to the past year and one face looks forward to a new year. The face looking back to the past year is reflected with sorrow, with fear, weariness and disappointment. And the face that looks forward is personified with hope and confidence and expectation for the future. So they keep turning the head at the end of every year. They swing the head round. And each year it ends worse than the year before. Plans unfilled. Hopes gone. And dreams shattered. And it keeps rotating year after year. That hymn that we sang there just now adequately describes through all our earthly journey, bringing naught but weary hours when grasping for life's roses, thorns I find instead of flowers. And some in this congregation I know, for I know you fairly well over the years, uh, you have grasped many thorns in 2021. And the expectations of 2021 has not materialized for you in the way that you thought that they would. So we look forward to another year and see what happens. A national newspaper some years ago reported a suicide on the first day of the new year. The victim was an 18-year-old girl who left a note, and I quote, I made an agreement with God that if life was not worth living, I didn't want to live. I don't want to live. I'm going to quit living. Now, the problem with that unfortunate, misled teenager is, like many, and some of you here this morning, you want to live life on your own terms. You want to do your own thing. You want to go your own way. And as the old adage says, I'm going to paddle my own canoe. But let me, as a man gone on in years with experience of life, say to you this morning, if that's your mentality, and I'm talking to the younger people now, if that's your mentality and that's your pitch and that's your quest for the year that lie ahead, your canoe is bound for the rocks. Your canoe is bound for the reef to a chasm and an abyss which ends in hell. And you'll not only look back to 2021 
And remember the messages that you heard and the prayers of your mother and the prayers of your father. You'll not only look back to 2021, but you'll look back every year of your life. And you'll remember. Remember the times that you got opportunity after opportunity to come to Christ. But like the rich man in hell, it'll be too late and you'll be left with your memory. You see, your memory will still be with you in hell. That's the awful thing about it. You'll remember the lifetime that is gone. Young man, you'll remember the messages that you heard, the tracks that you read, the people that spoke to you. Not only will you hear, have heard, will remember the calls of invitation you got from family and preachers and tracts and from pulpits, but from heaven itself. You'll remember that God said, come. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, come. And the Holy Spirit said, come. And the bride, the church said, come. But you never came. You paddled your own canoe to destruction. Now sit up this morning. For this young man got out into eternity every day on the roads <clears throat> and many other ways. Here's another invitation for you before I go on with this message. It's the first one of the new year and it may be the last one you'll ever get. It's from this book of Isaiah. Come Come, you'll remember in hell that I said this. You'll see me. Come, my people. Come, all people. And enter into thy chambers and shut the door about thee and hide thyself. For in a little moment, with indignation, I will pour my wrath out. Run to the ark today. Get in through the door today. That may be the last opportunity you'll get. Come, now let us reason together, saith the Lord. Now this context here of Isaiah 43 is the 70-year Babylonish captivity coming to an end. There's a new day, a new life, a new year about to open up before the people of God. In Isaiah 40. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye, comfort ye twice, my people. He says to them, your warfare is ended and the battle's over and your iniquity's pardoned. Take your harps of the willows. Straighten up your shoulders and dry your tears and turn your eyes to the land and to the temple and to Jerusalem for I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to bring you in to blessing." 
claim the promise he said to them of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezra and Nehemiah and Joel. I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten. I have a word for some of you this morning. I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten. That's if, that's if you want to come. If you want to come. I called on the sinner to come. Come. And he'll restore the years. He'll blot out your sins and your iniquities. And I said to the backslider this morning, Come. Run. Flee back to the ark. Flee back to the Lord. Claim the promises of God. And I say to the people of God this morning, let us grow weary and tired and cold. Rise up, man. There's a new day. Rise up. Grip hold of God. And see what he's going to do in the year that lies ahead. Verse 14. Sat your eyes upon it. Look at verse 14 where we started to read. Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon. For your sakes I'm going to deliver you. For your sakes, in verse 17, I have redeemed you. It's all in the same context. You just think about that this morning. For your sakes I have redeemed thee. He redeemed us by his precious blood, not for his sake, but for your sake, that you'll keep you out of hell and give you peace with God and the heaven that's coming. But not only for your sake have I redeemed you, but for your sake, he said to them, I'm going to now deliver you. And you can say this morning without a doubt, God has often delivered me. And you know, if you want to add another one to it, in Malachi, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And many times he has rebuked the devil. He had destroyed us and wiped us out as he wanted to do with Job. But for your sake, because he loves you and because he redeemed you and because he created you and because he bought you with such an awful price, time and time again he delivers us and many of the times we don't know. Now, I want you to watch this phrase in verse 14. For your sake I have sent to Babylon. I have sent to Babylon. Who is he talking about? Well, let me just tell you, if you don't know who he's talking about here, Isaiah. He's talking about the ungodly Babylonish, the, the ungodly Gentile Syrian king of Persia, Cyrus. You, you hold on now this morning. I was teaching here. God sent Cyrus, an ungodly heathen king, to deliver his people. And not only that, 
he named him 137 years before he was born. He's one of five people in the Bible that was named before they were born. Isaac and Samson, you get the rest of it. But he not only named him before he was born, he anointed him. He says, I am going to anoint you when the time comes to deliver my people. And I'm going to strengthen you with my right hand. And I'm going through you, you're going to smash the gates of Babylon that has held my people. The men are going to tremble with heart attacks. And you watch the phrase at the end of of that verse there, 14. Their nobles and their Chaldeans, he'll bring them to naught, whose cry is in their ships. He's going first for their navy. Now this is an ungodly heathen king that away years before he was born, God named him. And at that time it would have been impossible to think even when Nebuchadnezzar was ruling the great Babylonish empire. But way back in the eternity, it was in the mind of God that he would use this man to do it. And he'll go first, first for the ships because the ships, it was a seaport and they depended on the ships for the trade. Their cry was in the ships. And God put the cry in out of them. What an awesome God we have. And not only that, but he says, I will stir up the heart of Cyrus to lead my people back, rebuild the temple, and to bring the vessels that Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple back. I am the Lord, verse 15, and God. Now let me say this in application this morning. God can do what he likes with whoever he likes, whenever he likes. So don't don't you get any ideas that he doesn't work outside his own people. For I can tell you God works outside his own people. And the Protestant people in Ulster think that they are everything at times. God will work outside them. And he'll work outside the evangelical church too. God can do what he likes. He's able to do what he likes. Sometimes he takes up someone and stirs up someone. He took a Roman Catholic monk to stir up for the, for, for, for the Reformation, to heal in the Protestant Reformation. He took a woodcutter's son from the heart of Germany. He took the cruel, wicked, murdering one of the Herods to build the greatest temple for God's people. Herod's temple. He took a black Ethiopian whenever they put Jeremiah, God's people put Jeremiah into a pit up to his neck and some think it was a pit of, a pit of human slurry. They put Jeremiah, the old servant of God, down into the pit, his own people. It was a black Ethiopian came with the rags and the clouts and the ropes and pulled him out. Went to the king and said, release this man. I tell you, God's never stuck for a man to use. 
It was the old heathen mariners that cried to God for Jonah and saved his life too. So don't let us get any ideas that we are better or greater than anybody else. This was an ungodly king whose heart the steward. Let me tell you, it was a brutal centurion, Roman soldier. He was over a hundred men. He must have been, they were cruel, these centurions. When they were crucifying Christ at the cross, he stepped forward and says, this is the sinless, holy son of God, while his own people slew him. So God's just using Cyrus here. And you'll never explain it. God used them to dismantle the whole regime of the Babylonians and to bring back the vessels and to bring back the people and to bring them out. But not only does God, now hear this this morning, I can get this message finished. Hear this this morning, God not only uses and steps outside the camp to discipline the people, to to, to deliver the people, but to discipline the people. And that's what this COVID epidemic is doing. God's using it to discipline his people. And he has brought some to repentance and some to prayer and some to wake up through it, but others he hasn't. So he's he's going to come again very soon with something more severe. I'm not a scaremonger on this first day of the week, but I must tell you what's in my heart. We are heading for a Habakkuk scenario unless there's repentance very soon in the church. Now, what is a Habakkuk scenario? Well, you read Habakkuk. I preached through the book a couple of years ago. Where this man got down before God and wept and howled and cried for the iniquity of the people, violence on the street and the law slackened. And God says, listen, after he prayed and cried with a burden and wept and howled, oh, oh, notice he owes us in Habakkuk. God says, I'm going to answer your prayer, but not the way you want. I'm going to raise up the hasty Chaldeans. And I'm going, to rev- I'm going to use them to revive the work. But before I revive the work, I'm going to bring in these ungodly, most wicked men, and I'm going to let them loose on the land. And then I'll bless the people. And that's the way I'll bring revival. So don't you be thinking revival. Can- let me say something very, very politically now. And I don't use this, pa- this for politics. If the people of God don't repent and the old Protestant pride doesn't go out of us, let me tell you, we could be under a different government come May. God might have to take them up to take the pride out of us. And we'll bow the head and we'll go on with it. For for far too long... We have thought that we are the only ones that can do it with our meetings and our Bibles and our churches and our, all the rest of the things that are going on, but it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. God may well use them to bring his people to repentance. 
and the wear of saying nothing. Oh, they're murderers. Indeed they are. But there's murderers here that God used. He odd Moses was a murderer. God can take up who he likes, when he likes, to discipline his people. And he may have to discipline us in this way. And it might be that to drive us to the prayer meetings and drive us to our knees and to cry out to God and not be drumming and marching and shouting no Pope. He might bring us to our knees. It's very strange that those out shouting no Pope, no Pope here, you never see them in the prayer meeting. Now you just let God do what he wants to do. And we are going to have to take whatever medicine comes, wherever it comes from. And I prayed hard over this message this morning. And he could take Cyrus and take the old black Ethiopian. He can take anybody to do his bidding and to do his will. Then verse 18. Remember ye not the former things. Now, you'd have thought that he would have said, remember ye the former things, wouldn't you? And consider and meditate and think about these things, but he says not to remember. Now, he can't mean verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 17. How could he mean verse 1 of 43? Now, he says, the Lord God that created thee, that formed thee, that redeemed thee. Verse 17, which bringeth forth the charge and destroyed them at the Red Sea. He can't, he, he doesn't want us to, them to forget that, sure, that the Passover every year. He doesn't want them to forget the miracles of the manna and the quails. He's not saying forget those things. No, no, that's, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's not telling them to forget in verse 1 that he's the creator and the redeemer and their saviour. In verse 3, so God wouldn't want them to forget that he's our, us to forget that he's our redeemer, he's our creator, he's our saviour. No, no. We're to praise God and to thank God for all those things. We're to thank God for all our past successes, all our protections, all our provisions, all our blessings of the last year. And the things that he has taught us and taught you and taught me individually and collectively in this church were to thank God for the teachings of the past. And how he vindicated us here. We, we should be thank God for vindicating us here, keeping us free from COVID and keeping the meetings going, keeping us singing, keeping us remembering the Lord, keeping us praising the Lord keeping us going in the prayer meetings. Not any glory. We don't take glory for that. We just look back and we thank God for what he's been doing in the past in the past year. Yes, we have every right to thank God for that. We have right to thank God when the men turned against us and tried to close us up. We thank God for he put his hand upon us. And the Department of Health tackled us. And two newspapers tackled us. We thank God for what he done and what he is doing. In blessing, no weapon formed against us can prosper. 
Remember not. Now listen. What he's saying here is, don't gloat on or glory in your past successes. Don't crow about. God help us not to blow about. We're not blowing about or crowing about being any better than any other. We're not crowing or blowing about because we have three meetings of a prayer meeting. I tell you, those churches have more and more attending them. So don't let us for a moment think that we can do that and get away with it. We must keep humble and keep low as we go into this new year and give to him the glory, the praise, and the honor. Don't gloat on past successes. Thank God for them. Carry on what you've learned from them. Praise God for them, whatever they might be in your life or in your family. And secondly, past failures. <laughs> Remember not. The children of Israel failed time and time and time again. <laughs> and so did you. And so did we. And so did I in 2021. Man, admit that this morning. That's the first thing you need to do. You need to admit it. Leopold says in his Isaiah commentary, don't linger on the nostalgic, nostalgic of the past. Time and time again, the children of Israel failed. And you have failed, and I have failed, and we've all failed in 2021. We have failed in the family altar. Failed in the quiet time. Failed in the prayer meetings. We have failed in our tithing. We have failed with our temper. We have failed in our marriage. We have failed with our children. We need to take stock, stock taking time. Stock taking time for families and for fathers. The head of the house. Stock taking time. Forgetting those things which are behind, Paul says. There's nothing, and I'm saying this, and I'm emphasizing this this morning as we come down to close. There's nothing, nothing that will hinder a new start in your life this morning. There's nothing will prevent the victories and the joy and the glory of God in your life and in your home this morning like living in the past. Failures. It's a playground for Satan. Oh, if only we had those days back. Uh-huh. Well, you'd make a bigger mess of them the next time. Oh, if only we had 1904 and 1949 in the Hebrides. Oh, if only we had the big tent campaigns of Workman and Mullen and W.P. We'd only had them all back. Remember not the former things. I'm going to do a new thing. 
Oh, if only I wouldn't have done that. If only I wouldn't have said that. If only I wouldn't file for divorce. If I wouldn't have sent that text message. Paul, the writer of the Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. There's weights that are not sins. There could be weights keeping you back from walking with the Lord. And they may not be sins even. But they're enough to keep you back in the past. Keep you back from joy. Keep you back from victory. Keep you back from enjoying the Lord every day in your home and in your family. And keeping you back from coming into the house of God in the prayer meeting. Listen, if that's gone from you, get it back. Get it back. If you're to lie on your belly for the next week, get it back. Sure, we've all failed. Sure, we have a Lord, a God that forgives us. What we need to do, my friend, what we need to do is to repent of our sins and say like the butler in Joseph's story, I remember my faults this day. That's a good start. Let's gather up the fragments that remain Gather up what's left and give them to the Lord and you'll find that there'll be baskets full of blessing. Let us press on into 2022 with boldness and confidence and assurance. Verse 18 is the past. Verse 19 is the promise. Oh, what a promise. Behold, I will do a new thing. That's a promise for the present. Behold, now. Now. I'm claiming this promise for this assembly for 2022. And I'm not only claiming it, but I'm prophesying it. You'll have every right to attack me this time next year. But God is going to do a new thing. And he's going to do it suddenly. Many of the revivals of the past, and I've studied them for 40 years, have something like 30, maybe 40 books of revival in my study. And the majority of them came suddenly. Starting with the day of Pentecost. Suddenly. Suddenly when they were singing a hymn. Just an ordinary meeting. Suddenly when someone was praying. Suddenly when the preacher was preaching. Suddenly in the old barn over there in the Hebrides when the old blacksmith prayed, suddenly the Hebrides shook, literally shook. There's a promise for the present. Now. 
Well then, let me go another wee step before it closes. There's the proof. Watch the text again in verse 19. I will do a new thing now. It shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? Do you know the proper rendering of that? Can you not already see it taking place? That's what drew me to this message this morning, that wee phrase. And going back into the context and the history of this, they could see this taking place. Because those who knew their Bible and Jeremiah and Isaiah knew that God was going to raise up Cyrus. And they could see the whole Babylonish regime beginning to fall apart for years. And when they started to bring back the vessels, they remembered that the Lord said that he would bring the vessels back that Nebuchadnezzar took. And bit by bit, they could see it all begin. That's what he's saying here. Do you not see it starting? Do you not see the way that I have controlled all this? Sure, some years ago, you'd have never thought that the Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar would be destroyed and out eating grass. But God did. Do you not see it happening? Do you not spring forth? That's just like a a flower budding. That's what the meaning of that. Just as a flower would bud. Just as a a spring would come. When our girls were small, very small, that a wee jack-in-the-box. You wouldn't give a child a jack-in-the-box now. But a wee jack-in-the-box and used to push the lid down and there was a bit of music in the plate and I used to say, there was nothing in there. You put over your face and say, look down. So they'd get me to put over the face and I would put my face down and then the thing and then they'd stop and then they'd go, boy up and it'd come and hit you in the face. Just ask how quick it can spring forth. Don't miss a prayer meeting. Because it's going to happen before he comes. There's two coming, three coming, four coming. There's two coming. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and then he's going to come. Shall you not know it? I can tell you there's signs all around this work. That it's going to come. There's signs all around this work and around this house that he's going to do and is doing, can you not see it, a new thing. New thing. We're long enough in the old things and the old ways. We held on for this new thing for 33 years and we're not going to let it go now. The promise, the past, the proof, and the place. Look at where the place is going to be. Verse 16, thus said the Lord which maketh the way in the sea. That's to do with the exodus. But verse, verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall forth shall you not know. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And you'll get that twice. You'll get the wilderness and the rivers 
and there's a nest in the rivers, and it means there there'll be floods in the desert. That's the place in the wilderness. Nobody wants to stay in the wilderness or in the desert. It's a place of death and an old barren wilderness. It was a thousand mile journey up on a thousand mile journey for them to come out back to Babylon, back to the temple, back to victory, back to where they'd left. And only a remnant came back, but they came back. And it was a barren terrain. It was an awful terrain. God as he did bringing them over the Red Sea, every one of them. There wasn't a hoof left behind. God was with them all the way. It was a barrenness, wilderness journey. And out there this morning, there's a wilderness. And it's barren. And it's dry. And I'm talking about the church. It's as dry as a bone. Dry as a bone. God help us. I'll tell you when he begins to move, he'll soften the hearts of men. And then in verse 21, and I close, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my, and notice the my, my praise. That's the praise. That's the praise. Oh, hallelujah. My praise. Give him the praise this morning. Give him the glory this morning. Give him the praise for your family. Give him the praise for your food, for your home. Give him the praise this morning for your fellowship. Give him the praise this morning for the people of God. Give him praise this morning. And say, thank you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I'm going to claim this promise for myself. Claim it for yourself. I'll do a new thing in your home, your family, if you want it. If you want it. But you have to come and say, Lord, I'm thirsty. Lord, I'm hungry. Lord, you're God. What a mighty God we have. Every promise he said, I will bring them out through Cyrus. And I will deliver them. And he will deliver us out into victory if we keep low and keep giving him the praise. And not glory in the past successes. And not leaning on past failures and going around to her sick in the head as everybody else in the home as bad as us. Oh, if only last year. Oh, if only last month. Oh, if only. Away with it. It's off the devil. The Lord never meant you to be like that. All your sins and iniquities, he says, I have cast into the sea. Of my forgetfulness, never to remember them again, no more forever. Our sins are in a bag, Job says. Our transgressions are sewn up in a bag. Micah says, and they're cast into the sea. And I have a bottle, he says, for your tears, and I have a book for your name. The bottle, the book, and the bag. You're using them every day. Brace your shoulders. Look up and believe God for your hospital appointments. For the pain that you have this morning that is yours. Don't let the enemy trail you back 
Look to him and give victory, for we're marching to Zion.